What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always. The college cross season, 2023 season, is upon us. Week zero, technically, getting underway on Saturday. We'll have games from 11.30 a.m. to 8.30, 9 o'clock at night with Jacksonville and Hopkins under the lights down there at the Rock in Duval County. First of all, thank you, Jacksonville. And we've got some very, very good nighttime games this year. We've talked about some throughout the schedule uh, preview uh, portion that we've talked about on this podcast. So this is the first. This is the first this weekend, Jacksonville Hopkins. Not every weekend we have great nighttime games. Not every weekend we have nighttime games. But we do have a couple good ones this year. Navy Army is under the lights as well. Um, and, you know, Hopkins and Jacksonville this weekend uh, help get that trend started this year uh, here in week zero. And just one of Many games to go off this weekend. I mentioned 11.30 a.m. We're going to have Mercer and Bucknell take the field in the first Division I game of the year. Brian Danahy's debut there at Mercer. We will also have Bobby Benson, his debut as the head coach at Providence, uh, now happening on Sunday. So, uh, we've got a lot to look forward to this weekend um, in, in storylines, both on and off the field, that are going to be very exciting to follow for sure. Before we get into previewing some of these games ahead of this weekend, I do want to mention, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, helps us. Spread the show helps us grow the show and grow uh, the love for the game. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other platform, uh, do the same as well. Hit that subscribe button. If you're on the Apple Podcast, please hit that uh, subscribe button and leave the five-star review, which I believe Apple is the only one that you can do that on. But if you can do it on other others, do so as well. So subscribe, leave reviews, help go the show, or show here the Lacrosse Bucket podcast. Let's get into this weekend's action. And I mentioned we've got a lot of games this weekend. We're not going to get to each and every one, but as we did last year, am going to uh, be previewing uh, uh, about you know four to six games per week, depending on the load. We have got two, four, six this weekend to preview here. Um, and let's get started with the uh, defending national champions. In College Park, we will have the Maryland Terrapins uh, host the Richmond Spiders. And this is a... Maryland team that obviously is going to look different than it did last year. Uh, a complete overhaul, in a sense, on offense. Obviously, we know Kyle Long. We know 
Owen Murphy with those guys can do. It's going to be interesting to watch and see how this offense is put together over uh, you know the course of this season. And, and this is going to be our first look at this new look uh, Maryland offense here on Saturday against the Richmond team that uh, has been pretty good, has been one of the more consistent programs in college across. When you look at the Spiders, four NCAA tournament appearances uh, in their, what, nine, ten years of, of existence. Uh, and, and then for Maryland, obviously, you've got 11 NCAA showings, nine championship weekend appearances, five runner-ups, and two titles there under John Tillman. These are two of the most consistent programs, Maryland, so nationally, and Richmond, so in their respective conference. Obviously, now in the Atlantic 10, we'll see how they do there. Probably the most competitive uh, mid-major conference in the country this season when you look at what St. Joe's has, Richmond, UMass, Hobart, some other teams in that league as well. It's going to be exciting to watch uh, this weekend, though. This weekend against Maryland, the, you know, what I want to see from this Maryland team obviously is what does their offense look like? We know what Maycar and Zapatello and McNaney are uh, defensively. We know they've got the guys on that end. The rope unit, that, that defensive midfield spot, obviously Donovan Lacey, a transfer in there from Sacred Heart, grad transfer. We'll see how that situation looks. Confident they can replace what, obviously, losing four guys there at the D-mid spot. Confident you, they can replace that. And they're going to have some young guys helping out in that situation as well. The faceoff dot, Luke Wheelman is back as well there at the faceoff dot. Defense, faceoff are the two areas with this Maryland team that you look at and you're 100% confident in what they can do now. There's a lot of questions of what can be done offensively how good this offense can be, um, you know, and those questions might not be there if you have Eric Marvel on the field, but obviously he's out for the uh, entirety of the season with that knee uh, leg injury uh, sustained in the fall. So a lot of interesting things to watch with this Maryland team. Now, Richmond, and I, I think with Maryland, this is going to be a good test for them. Richmond is no slouch by any stretch of the means. And even though they, they do lose some key pieces offensively as well as well as defensively, um, you know, Jake Saunders, Zach Vigu, uh, the goalie defenseman, uh, two of the top defenders back there, uh, top players on the defensive end back for this Richmond squad. Uh, this is a Richmond team that has been consistent. I, I mentioned know, what they've done in terms of winning conference titles and making the NCAA tournament. They are a very consistent program. And do not forget what they did to Virginia last year, upsetting the Wahoos uh, to become the first team in Virginia since, was it 1979, to beat the Cavaliers. And caveat, VMI was the only program, D1 program, once Washington Lee dropped to D3. But still, very notable. Uh, win for the Spiders at that to beat uh, to beat Virginia 
and I mean, they had been close in, in, in you know, the ensuing years, or the previous years, I should say. They got it done last year, upset the Cavaliers. So when you're looking at the upset angle here, Richmond's done it before. And, and yeah, they've got some new pieces there. When you look at what this Richmond team has, obviously Derek Madonna coming in there um, as a grad transfer from Hobart uh, to Richmond uh, will be alongside his brother, Lance Madonna. You also have Dalton Young back there on the offense. Um, for me, what I'm looking at, and if this upset is going to happen, the faceoff battle is, I think, is they're going to have to take it to Wheelman and that Maryland faceoff unit. And Jared Chinoy, Trent Granger, two very solid faceoff men that the Spiders have their Granger, a, a transfer in from St. Bonaventure. So you have two phenomenal face-off men, uh, young players there, both were freshmen last season, had strong freshman years, two solid options there in those guys. It's a good unit uh, that, that Richmond has. Offensively, they're going to have to break that Maryland defense, and that's going to be a tough test, right? We know Derek Madonna. Uh, can, can shoot the ball. We know what uh, Dalton Young and Lance Madonna can do as kind of all-around great playmakers, as, as shooters inside. Um, we know what this, what, what what those guys can do. How does this Richmond team look around them is going to be a question. And uh, for me, certainly something to be watching with Richmond. Upset-wise, though, and, and I'll say it again, if they can break the Maryland defense and if they can make the face-offs, get that face-off battle where they want it to be, an upset could very well happen. But again, this is Maryland, the best program in college lacrosse over the past, what, decade plus now, uh, 11 or some odd years since John Tillman uh, took over. Moving on to... Uh, Columbus, Ohio, where the Buckeyes will be opening their new lacrosse stadium. I guess they did the official ribbon cutting a few weeks ago with the scrimmage there against Lafayette. Uh, but Ohio State welcoming in Air Force. And, you know, I'd been mentioned this uh, about a month or so ago and I kind of forgotten about it. Saw it the other day. Very interesting storyline here when you look at Ohio State and the transfers that they've gotten in. So, obviously, uh, Marcus Hudgens, Richie LaCalandra, you know, headlining that transfer group, and, and you look at how strong is this defense going to be there um, for Ohio State uh, with Marcus Hudgens in there, as well as Bobby Van Buren, uh, Jacob Snyder. I mean, this is a defense that is going to be able to challenge Maryland most likely for a top defense in the Big Ten. Now, will they? I, I don't know. I, I don't really think so. But they're going to be right up there as one of the best defenses in the Big Ten for sure and right up there as one of the best defenses in the country this season uh, is what we're expecting here from Ohio State on that front. You've got LaCalandra in on offense, Kyle Lewis, and a number of other transfers on that side as well. Kyle Border from Fairfield. So you've got a, a number of transfers in here. Jack Myers back as well um, with this 
offense also. Um, and, and then obviously at the faceoff dot, Drew Blanchard back there uh, for the Buckeyes as well. Uh, and you've got some solid young talent there also. So with this Ohio State team, it's a team that has very much been impacted by by transfers. But I, I will say this, and this is something that I'm I'm really looking forward to watching, even more so maybe than than this defense go to work is how do they fill out those holes around Jack Myers? Uh, we know some of those transfers transfer guys are going to step into the fold there and, and be effective. What do what's the progression look like for a guy like Ollie Allen who? had a strong freshman season last year. And what's his progression look like here as a sophomore? And they had a number of younger guys last season that, you know, got in uh, from from time to time and and made some impact plays. The growth from those younger guys is going to be something interesting to watch with this Ohio State offense this season. Now, I brought up the transfer aspect of this. And Ohio State, a bunch of transfers. Air Force, much similar to, you know, Navy and Army, they don't, can't take transfers, right? Uh, they, they don't take transfers, and the transfer portal is a one-way street at, at, at West Point, or Colorado, or Annapolis. It's, it's out. You're not necessarily coming into Air Force. You're not transferring into Navy, not transferring into Army. These service academies, they build. and they're pretty consistent at doing it. And it is these programs that often, you know, lose a ton of talent from year to year and continually stay consistent. You'll have a couple down years here and there. But for the most part, we've seen these academies stay pretty consistent. Air Force uh, has maybe been the has been the lesser of the three for sure. Historically, they started a bit later as well. Uh, but Air Force has been the uh, one of the more consistent teams in the conference, uh, whether it be the SoCon and the now the ASUN, uh, were in the ASUN tournament last year, expecting to be so this year as well. Just an interesting dynamic that you have going on here with, with, with a program that uh, certainly has, has developed great talent when you look at Jack Myers and has certainly recruited very well over the past couple of cycles, uh, but has also seen each of the past you know, three years now uh, impacted very much so by the transfer portal or by 50 guys coming back. And then you have this Air Force program that they can't benefit from that, and, and but they've built it and, and have sustained it through the you know quote-unquote old-school way, and much like the, the, the other academies have as well. With this Air Force team, obviously, two names to know here. For sure, Brandon Dodd and uh, Jackson Rose. Um, they're in Cage. Uh, excuse me, Jason Rose, not Jackson Rose. Uh, J- Jason Rose in Cage there for uh, the Falcons. And then Brandon Dodd, the top attackman. And then obviously you have you know Chris Bardell, uh, James Chastain back on defense as well. And this is an Air Force defense that's they've been consistently a top 20, top 15 unit. Had a little dip in 2021 that we've talked about, and they really jumped back up into the fold last year. It had a really good defense uh, that the Falcons did in 2022. You want to see that continue here. Um, Upset-wise, 
and and I will say this: the before we get to, to what Air Force needs to do to pull off this upset here, which we know they are prone to upsets. They beat Duke a few years ago in early season play. They typically play a, a fairly tough schedule um, early in the year. I think last year they scrimmaged, was it Virginia, Carolina, maybe Notre Dame as well, like Denver. Um, and, and then I think opened with Denver, I believe it was. And just a, a, a really tough you know, opening slate from you know, your scrimmages in January through your opener in February and then had some tough, uh, some sneaky tough games on that schedule as well there last year. So uh, th- this is an Air Force program that uh, can play well in February and has shown to play well in February. Um, when you're looking at the Falcons, what is the offense going to look like around Brandon Dodd? Because against this Ohio State defense, if you just have Brandon Dodd playing hero ball, if you have the ball on his stick 90% of the time, which, I mean, you want him touching the ball on every play, but if you don't have anything else around him, and there were times last year when that kind of looked to be the case offensively when things were maybe a little stagnant, um, this Ohio State defense is going to take advantage of that for sure. So that's the biggest thing for me. And then also what the faceoff situation is going to be like. Obviously, uh, you, you know, they were not too hot in 2021 or decent last year. We'll see it, how things are at the dot here in, in this game. And certainly Ohio State has a true Blanchard and company, a solid unit there at the dot. So Ohio State, Ohio State, if Air Force is going to upset them, this is what we're going to have to see. The Air Force offense diversified, like I said, and I, I think they're going to have to put as much pressure on this Ohio State team offensively as possible. Um, they're they're going to have to do They're going to have to put as much pressure on Jack Myers or Calandra and force. We know Ohio State has, has a very unique offense that they run at times, they're going to have to force them to take those shots that they don't want to take. So uh, offensive diversity, defensive, just forcing them to take those bad shots, take them, force them to take those bad looks is what, and don't give them easy shots. That's what I'm looking for for Air Force if they're going to upset the Buckeyes here in Week Zero. Now, another Big Ten game. Uh, here and a big, big 10 week here in week zero. And um, another big one pertains to the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, another transfer heavy, even more transfer heavy program over the past couple of seasons in the Scarlet Knights. Obviously, Ross Scott back, Shane Knobloch back. You've got David Sprock back from injury as well. Ethan Raw, Bobby Russo on the back end. Um, and, and then you want to see with Rutgers, Dante Kulis, young guys like that, how do they step up on the offensive end as well? Um, obviously, we're going to see what the situation in goal looks like. We uh, you know, are going to see this offense, as I mentioned, these new faces emerge there with Bartolo gone, Gallagher gone, all of these guys gone. 
from last season. It's going to be interesting to see what Rutgers looks like. Um, and, and we're also going to get a look at, and this is what I'm probably most intrigued by, how does this rope unit look like? You you, you lose Kamish, you lose Danager, and, and some other guys there at the rope unit. Obviously, uh, Russo and Raw, two guys that at pole have been very impactful um, at close in LSM and getting that NASCAR offense going. And while Rutgers isn't all that NASCAR offense, we saw them use it a lot last season, and they've had a lot of success with it the past couple of years for sure. The second coast made that save. They're out, uh, and, and the offensive possession has started right then, and they don't waste any time getting down the field. John Miller, Ryan Decker, Noah Daniels, as well as LSM John Jones, all transfers in from various schools, Mount St. Mary's, Bryant, uh, Colgate, coming in there for this Rutgers team on the back end to help replace and replenish that defensive midfield unit. How are those guys used? How are they played in the system? We'll see how this goes. I think they should work very well um, in that system, and we'll see here on on Saturday. And this was a Marist team last year that it was a 13-10 game uh, against Rutgers last season, and uh, Marist was able to get out and run on, on on Rutgers, and they were able to you know keep up the pace with them there uh, t- to an extent last year. So uh, how? How that goes, and I think that really is the key for Marist. If you want to pull the upset, you're going to have to keep up that pace here with Rutgers. You're going to have to get some of those transi- transition opportunities, uh, the, 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 those shots on the run from up top that you were able to get last season uh, against this team. And, I mean, that helped them uh, for sure in this game. Now, with Marist. This is a team last year, I mentioned 13-10, lost to Rutgers and were able to run with the Scarlet Knights for uh, more or less the entirety of the game. Uh, so we started to taper off there as the game got deeper, but um, you know, played very well against them. Now, you've got Jamison Amberry back from injury. He uh, was towards ACL in this game last year, came back and played in the MAC uh, semifinal game against Manhattan. Uh, so he missed all of the year except for that final game of the season. And he's back here for his final season. Hunter Emberry, the uh, younger brother there, uh, is also there as well. And he's been a uh, strong playmaker for the uh, Red Foxes. You've got Jojo Pereka back there as well as James Lyons. A very solid core offensively, and a lot of younger guys that. So, this is a Marist team that overall, and especially in non conference play, featured a lot of injuries, had a lot of injuries last year. So, you got some younger guys in the mix. We'll see how uh, these guys step up and here in 2023 for Marist. Uh, Dylan Bedell at the faceoff dot. Rutgers, that, that's an area I'm watching. Joe Newman is there now. You've got Jonathan Duhinio 
back as well there. So how does – and Dylan Bedell is a very, very good face-off man, one of the top in the MAC. How he does against this Rutgers team, that is frankly they, – they've gotten better at the face-off dot, but they've still struggled. They've still not been what they need to be uh, from time to time at the dot. They did improve last season for sure. Now, can they keep that improvement going? And subsequently, can they get it done here against Bedell and Marist? I mentioned the Red Foxes being able to run and keep up the pace with Rutgers at times last season. Big part of that, JT Roselli, the LSM, he's gone. Who replaces him? How do they look in that regard? Uh, this is going to be very, very, an, very interesting aspect of the game, what that rope unit looks like for Marist, what the defense looks like overall. You have a question mark in Cage uh, as well um, from last year with, with Novolano gone. So this is going to be a uh, an interesting contest and I think might be uh, maybe a little closer than some people would otherwise think it would be uh, just like we saw from last season. And, and again, if you want to see the upset, what does Marist have to do? Keep pace with Rutgers, get out and run like you did a year ago, and then win the face-off battle. I think if they can do that, uh, we can see a Marist upset against Rutgers. Next game on the docket here in the Kaleo Dome as uh, Gary Gate and the Syracuse Orange welcome in uh, Vermont. The Catamounts, the back-to-back America East champions. And a Vermont team that, frankly, looks a little different. And a Syracuse team that looks a little different as well. Uh, For Syracuse, obviously, you had a pathetic season last year. Four wins, I believe it was. Awful year for them last year. You're coming into this season, and you want to see improvement. And you're going to get that improvement from the new talent you have. That is what this offseason was about. This offseason was about acquiring talent, and they got that. Will Mark in cage, right? You've got uh, Coast there on offense, Tommy Schelling on offense. This is a uh, a, a group, excuse me, um, Alex Simmons on offense, not, not Coast and Schelling. Uh, Alex Simmons, Cole Coast on offense, what this uh, Syracuse team has gotten in in terms of veteran talent, grad transfers there from Denver, and Lehigh, Johnny Recusa at the face-off dot. And, you know, from what I hear, I don't know if he's going to be the guy, I, one of the younger guys. Like it, it, The face-off situation seems to be probably the most murky here with the Orange coming into the season. Um, and I, either way, I think they're going to be at a disadvantage this game up against Tommy Burke, one of the best in the country here for the Catamounts. Nick Comico back on defense. Owen Hill's back on offense. Some of your biggest pieces there. Um, and, and then, obviously, this freshman class is phenomenal. Joey Spolina headlining that unit there. For me, for me, what I'm looking at with this game is not only how do these transfers fit in, but how many of these freshmen Number one freshman class in the country, phenomenally talented. You've got talent on all ends of the field. How many of these guys play, start, 
will make a significant impact in this game. That's what I'm watching here with Syracuse is the impact made by these new faces. How does that change things? So uh, very much a game for me. I, and even like if Syracuse, Syracuse could lose this game. For, like, they could lose this game. And I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't worry because this is a game for me that I'm looking at and saying, okay, what, what are they going to try to do? And Vermont's a really good team. They're, they're a borderline top 20 team, uh, a little less so than they were last year, but still a very good team. Um, now, with Vermont, you have a similar situation with, I think, and by the way, I'm, I'm picking Syracuse to win the game. I'll have my picks here at the end, but I'm, I'm picking Syracuse to win this game. Uh, but Vermont, you've got some new pieces there that you're going to have to work with offensively. David Kosterman, Brock Haley, some of your top guys there back on that. And Griffin Finch, a guy who you know, stepped up a, a lot last season and really expecting big things from him here as well in 2023. Uh, and, and then defensively, um, obviously you've got a number of guys back there as well. Tim Manning and company who have been phenomenal uh, throughout their careers. but. You do have the uh, question mark there in cage with Ryan Cornell gone. So this this is a game really for me. I, I'm not exactly sure I, Vermont's going to have the edge of the faceoff dot, but at some of these other spots, it, it's it's kind of difficult to gauge who's really going to have the edge because there are so many new pieces. I think this Vermont defense, and we saw what the Syracuse defense was last year, and they got some new faces there, and obviously a, a new goalie that I think is much more capable and more proven and will work, but it, it's going to be interesting to see how these pieces fit together. So, um, no, I, I think this game, frankly, might be one of the closer ones the weekend. Um, but I, you know, for me again, Syracuse, I'm taking to win it, but you no, know, a, a game for me on, on, on really on, on both sides, looking at the, where guys placed, how are they being used because of the uh, newness that you see there with many of these guys on these rosters uh, with a lot of the loss uh, slash roster exodus in the case of Syracuse uh, from last season. Now, last two games to get to here, we're going to talk about the westernmost Division One programs and the southernmost Division One program when. So first, let's head out west to a good old Rocky Mountain showdown, Denver and Utah. This one is at Denver. This game has been phenomenal for, for, the, for the past couple of seasons. A one-goal game in 2021, a one-goal game last season. Are we going to see a one-goal game again here in 2023 when the Pioneers and the Utes take the field? This is a Denver team obviously coming into Bill Tierney's final season. I think that gives them a significant upper hand uh, there. Uh, and, and I think talent-wise, significant upper hand in some respects as well. You've got J.J. Silstrap, Richie Connell, Michael Lambert kind of forming that core offensively. You've got Malik Sparrow, A.J. Mercurio, Jack DiBonetto, and Jack Thompson back at pole and in cage. This is a unit that is extremely experienced, extremely experienced. Um, and, and then obviously Jake, Jake Edinger, uh, the uh, top returning defensive midfielder for this Denver team. 
Loke unit, and, and I should mention Alex Sathakis back there um, for the face-off dot, uh, at the face-off dot for Denver. The Denver offense last season, we saw them have some struggles. We saw them figure it out once or twice. And they showed some sparks, had some spurts uh, each game, but really for a holistic game, maybe two or three contests when you said really put it together. And so for me, and we, 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 we've heard about and we saw the uh, you know, good things in the fall from this Denver team. How they look here is going to be paramount. How they look here is going to be crucial. Um, this is a good Denver, a, a good Utah offense. You've got Sammy Cabrera back there, obviously question mark in cage, but a solid Utah team at that, and a Utah team that we know can get out and run, a Utah team that runs midfield lines like it's nobody's business um, with the amount of guys they can run in and out, face-off wing, defense, offense. You know, Ruben Santana, players like this who are phenomenal. Uh, on both ends of the field. So uh, Denver, more of a six-on-six type team in many respects. And six-on-six is where last year in this game, Denver beat them. They beat them in the six-on-six. Now, how this offense looks, how it works, is going to be of peak interest to me. Also, the rope unit. We saw, uh, obviously, Denver had lost a uh, plethora of guys on, on defense and uh, specifically within that rope unit uh, they're heading into last season. And, you know, while they got better and they had some, uh, the Air Force game particularly, I think they were able to get out and run a bit more than they than they did in some other games. So, like, they had some good spurts. Um, I, I want to see if they can kind of fully put that together here um, and see if that can start here against Utah. So how that rope unit looks and, and operates is going to be another kind of key thing I'm watching here for Denver here uh, on Saturday. Uh, in terms of Utah, we mentioned the fast style of play. We mentioned they can run middies like it's nobody's tomorrow. They've got Cole Brams back at the faceoff dot. The Staticus Brams matchup has been pretty decent. Last year wasn't as good as the year prior. Uh, still interested to see what that it, what, what's going to happen there with this team? Um, and then obviously you look at Bradbury, Hyde, and uh, McMahon back on attack. I think this is a like this is the second best team in the A Sun for sure, and this is a team that that is a a, a top twenty uh, team in my book coming into the season. Utah is both these teams are. This is going to be a, an exciting game. This is going to be a uh, contested game, just like we've seen in uh, recent years between these two. Get excited for this one. Utah and Denver out there at Peter Barton Lacrosse Stadium. And as I mentioned, the beginning of Bill Tooney's last ride uh, here as he retires at the end of the 2023 season. Now, heading from the Rocky Mountains down to the sunny beaches of North Florida, we have got the Jacksonville Dolphins hosting the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays and what is the game of the week, the, the one that everyone's talking about, that everyone's been talking about since these schedules were released. Hopkins is going to Jacksonville. 
7 p.m. under the lights at the Rock. This one is going to be exciting. Obviously, last year we saw what happened with this uh, with this game. The the Hopkins defense was able to shut down Max Waldbaum, was able to contain this Jacksonville offense, and this is a Jacksonville offense that has gotten even better. You've got Waldbaum back. You've got NTLA back. You've got Griner back. You also added Big East Attackman of the Year, Dylan Watson, the grad transfer from Georgetown. He increases this offense so much. You've also got Brandon Galloway coming in from UMBC, and you've got Cold, um, Cold Danager, the Rutgers transfer, in uh, there at defensive midfield as well. This is a, uh, a, 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 a and, and I would expect this, this um, Dolphins team to be able to maybe get out and run a bit more than they did at times last year. So like this is a, a stacked Jacksonville team. Luke Milliken is back on defense and uh, cage. You've got some pieces to replace defensively at, at close for sure, uh, but you've got a very, very capable, very solid goalie there to anchor things. Uh, Nathan Cap back at the faceoff dot. A stacked Jacksonville team to be sure, and a Jacksonville team coming off of a phenomenal season last year as well. Now, we've seen Jacksonville have great seasons in the past. Last year was their best by far. I believe this was a three, four goal game last year uh, between these two in Hopkins' favor. Jacksonville would then go on and beat Duke. They would also beat Denver. Uh, Duke's actually coming to town, as it, as it, uh, I think, next week here uh, for, for Jacksonville. So they've got two. Big, big games back-to-back where they can really prove something here in 2023, just like they did a year ago. So with Jacksonville, watch that offense. How powerful are they going to be? How dominant is that offense going to be is the one thing I'm watching. But also, there's some big things to watch with the Hopkins offense as well. You've got John Crawley back there as the uh, offensive coordinator. He's coming home to his alma mater after serving in that role at Lehigh. And this is a Hopkins offense that needs a bit of a lift after last season. Did not have the best of views for sure. You've got Degnan, Angelus, Peshko, a lot of these guys back. Uh, Brennan Grimes is back as well. So you've got some solid pieces there. You've got talent. How does this all come together? And how consistent is this? That's what you're going to be watching here with Hopkins, not only in this game, but this season as uh, we enter you one of the John Crawley offense here uh, at Homewood. Things just didn't click with John Grant Jr.'s uh, offense. We'll see how things click here with Crawley at the helm of that unit. Uh, you've got Scott Smith back on, on defense to headline that unit. is a phenomenal playmaker. I, I think he's a guy who, if Hopkins has the season that, that they want to have for, first off, um, and by that I mean if they can go farther than they have been uh, and, and be more competitive in the regular season than they have been in the Big Ten and in some of these non big non-conference games, this is a guy who can be a, 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 a first, second team All-American type talent. He's very, very talented. Uh, defenseman, a guy I've been a fan of, um, talked a lot about since last season. And this is a Hopkins defense that was kind of the bread and butter of their team last year. Not the most, not always consistent, 
just like the team as a whole, but was very good at times and certainly had some big, big um, games, Jacksonville being one of them, Loyola, that ending being one of them as well. When you look at uh, the goalie position, Luke Caracciolo expected to be the starter there. Um, and I should mention Alex Mazzone, the Ellison from Georgetown, also uh, grad transferring in to Hopkins as well. So you've got a big addition to uh, a defense that, that's been pretty good. And Jamison Kostner, a very good defensive coordinator there for the Blue Jays as well. Built that, you know, Killer Bees defense that UMBC has come back to his alma mater. So, uh, you know, he's been very successful uh, under Peter Milliman uh, th- these past, what, two uh, two years now, and now heading into year three, the Peter Milliman era. And they open with this big uh, game at night. Uh, Russell Melendez, another uh, transfer from Marquette, who keep your eyes on here with uh, Hopkins this season. Uh, missed most of his uh, season last year with Marquette, but has has had some real flashes at at the college level. Was a I think a, a four star type guy, uh, maybe uh, higher. Uh, coming into uh, the college ranks, was was a phenomenal high school player. You know, chose Marquette. Signed there, was there for, I believe, two years, uh, you know, and had some real flashes, but some injury trouble. He is um, now at Hopkins, and if I'm not mistaken, is actually from the Baltimore area, so kind of a homecoming for him and, and, and now at Hopkins. And, and when you talk about this John Crowley offense and, and wanting things to move forward offensively, Melinda is probably going to be a big piece of this. So uh, the – offense for both of these teams, how things look, how things operate. We know how deadly Jacksonville can be, how they, like, you've got, like, what, five or six guys that you can run at attack. Um, That's going to be interesting. How they put all this talent together is going to be interesting. We've seen teams in the past who are maybe too talented. You know, we'll see how how things fit together. And then for Hopkins, uh, offensively in terms of, how things work in this John Crowley offense, how much improved they are from a year ago, and certainly doing so against a, a Jacksonville defense that does have some uh, some question marks, but uh, has had some uh, very good performances. Uh, certainly last year, the, the, the Duke game was very, very well-coordinated uh, defensive performance there. Chris Pozanke, a phenomenal defensive coordinator there for the Dolphins. So uh, th- this is a game that all around uh, is going to be interesting. Uh, I, like, what's the key to win the game? We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Is it face-off success? Is it you know man up? I, th- I think there's a, a lot of factors that are going to come into play here in this game. That that it's it's going to be exciting. It's the nightcap. And uh, a, a, a solid nightcap, I expect it to be at that. All right, folks, uh, that is it for our preview segment here. Uh, now, going into, I said a couple, but going into my picks for these games. And um, I picked, so, six games here to uh, predict Maryland. I'm going Maryland. Ohio State, I'm going Ohio State. 
Rutgers uh, and, and, and Marist. I'm going with Rutgers in that one. Syracuse and Vermont, I mentioned that one was a toss-up for me. It was very tough to pick because of the newness on, on, on all those kinds of sides. Uh, but I'm going to go with the, the orange on that one. Denver and Utah. Another one that I thought about going with uh, the, the, the Utes there, uh, but you know, and, and they've been so close in in, in in recent years, but ultimately decided to go with the uh, Pioneers in this one, and then Jacksonville and Johns Hopkins, the game of the week for me for sure. I'm picking the Dolphins. I'm I'm picking the Dolphins to defend their home territory and to take take the win uh, against Johns Hopkins to start what should be another phenomenal season here for the uh, John Galway and the Jacksonville Dolphins. Um, going to be a close game, uh, as I said. Going to be an exciting game, as I said. But picking the Dolphins to uh, survive in that one. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, thank you all for tuning in. You can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.